The word of the Lord for this day from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgivings to God. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we, uh, as mentioned, conclude a, a very brief three-week sermon series throughout the course of the year, you might recall, that um, the year of discipleship, each month we've taken a different aspect of, of the Christian life. And November has been reserved for, the, uh, for generosity. And so we've com- talked about how rich generosity, first of all, teaches us Uh, Vicar Adam shared that a couple weeks ago, Pastor Brant last week, with rich generosity teaches us. I reminds us is what uh, the vicar uh, talked about and Pastor Brant teaches us. Now, having said all that, can you remember anything from those sermons? Don't don't take it personally. No, I can't either. But I did some notes. No. What we were reminded of And what we were taught by God's rich generosity is, first of all, that God is generous himself. That he owns everything and that we are but stewards of his goodness. Then we were taught the secret of contentment by God's rich generosity. We were taught what it means to sacrifice and how to better trust God. And we were taught by God's rich generosity that gratitude prompts generosity. And so today we look at how rich generosity empowers us. And I'd like to begin by sharing with you a a little incident that happened a number of weeks ago. As I had the chance to get into one of the classrooms um, in my role as pastor to the school and take time to to remind the kids about their chapel offerings and bringing those in. So on a Tuesday in anticipation of Wednesday chapel, and I was in a first grade classroom and I was telling the kids what the offering for that month was going for. And it was going to support the establishment of Lutheran schools in Southeast Asia. In fact, in in Cambodia, of all places, that Lutheran schools were being established. And I shared with the uh, first graders, I said, you know, with the gifts that God gives us to give to them, it may be that some boys or girls are going to be attend, are going to be able to attend this school that otherwise wouldn't be able to. And they are going to hear about and learn about Jesus and perhaps come to faith in him so that they will also be with us one day in heaven. Well, as the first graders listened, there was one boy who had to let me know. He came forward and he said, Pastor, I get $4 allowance. And he said, I give one for savings. I give one to help animals. He said, I get one for myself to spend. And I give one for chapel offerings. And I said, wow, that is great. I was impressed with the stewardship concepts that that his parents had been teaching him. But then he went on immediately and he said, but this week he said, I'm going to give 
$2 to chapel offering. And I was wondering which dollar he was going to reallocate. But he immediately said, and I'm not going to give myself $1 to spend. I said, you know what? That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. And that really is a summation of what we've been talking about, what the Holy Spirit empowers you and me to do in response to God's rich generosity. I am using the sermon outline, and and you may want to have 2 Corinthians chapter 9 available to you as we review some of the words that are used from that passage. But the first thing that we're reminded of is the fact that God's rich generosity empowers you and me to give. And there are three parts of that that I think the illustration demonstrates quite well. First of all, that we should give intentionally. St. Paul says it this way in verse 7. He said, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Now that's not to say there aren't opportunities for free will offerings or, or spur of the moments donations to ministries or as the Spirit may give to us. But as a matter of regular course, our response to God's generosity is that we are empowered to be intentional about giving to the Lord. One of the things I get to do with couples that are coming to be married for the first time is work through an inventory and part of that process involves working through a budget worksheet. And so some of them, if they've never done that before, are asked to fill out a budget worksheet so that they get some concept of that money coming in versus what are all the expenses. The form that is given in our prepare materials, however, has as the very first line on the expense side of things, giving. And I always point that out. I say to the couple, I said, no matter what kind of a budget worksheet or program or app you're using, make sure that you always put giving at the top of the expense line. Because when you do that, even if it's nothing, or even if it's, you think, just a very small amount, put it first, because then you're sure to make sure that that gets taken care of. There's a church billboard had out front, one of my favorite sayings. It said, give to God what is right, not what is left. And so often that's how we as Christians do it. We take care of all of our expenses and oh, what do we have left? No, St. Paul, the Holy Spirit would say, be intentional about what it is that you're going to give to the Lord. The next thing that he would say is that, um, well, you've heard it, that God loves a cheerful giver, that we should give cheerfully. Again, from Paul's words in verse 7, so each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. If we're feeling begrudgingly that we are giving offering, 
if we are looking at the opportunity to support God's ministry or work in whatever way, and we find ourselves resentful or forced to do so, well, perhaps that's an indicator that that something's not quite right. And that we need to, once again, ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance and empowerment so that whatever we do, however big or small, can be done with a cheerful and excited heart. And finally, the last uh, aspect of giving, proportionately, that the Holy Spirit empowers us by God's rich generosity to give proportionately. And it should be pointed out that I think it's fair to say that this should come out of our abundance. God has blessed us in so many ways. And yes, you've heard the statistics compared to whatever percent of the world you and I are in the upper percentages. And so whatever God has blessed us with, we, out of our abundance, are able to give. But it is not just treasure. It is not just money that God receives from us. I don't know if you've ever heard of these two gentlemen, Bezalel and Aholiab, but they were mentioned in the reading from Exodus as craftsmen who had been gifted by God with special skills to do all of the craftsmanship that the tabernacle would, would need. To make things out of gold and wood and silver and bronze to do work with linen and tapestry. I can only imagine the beauty and the quality that these gentlemen gave using the gifts that God had given them in order to serve the Lord. And likewise, the people. The people kept bringing, we're told, all of the donations in kind. Their gold and silver, their linens, their yarn, those things that were going to be needed for the work of the tabernacle. And you noticed at the end it said, They had to restrain the people from giving because the work, the supplies that were there were sufficient to do the work and more. There are so many in our congregation and in the Christian church that do and serve God in this way. By using the talents, perhaps, or the time that God gives in order to give to the Lord. Thinking of everything from being a willing worker, to being a caravan driver, to being a volunteer, God has given us in abundance. What is it that that God has given to you that you are able to share, that you are able to give in a proportionate amount to how you've been blessed? As I think of that little boy from first grade, it seems like he taught all three of these things in his statement. That he was intentional about how much he was going to give to the Lord. That he was cheerful. There was no doubt about that. He couldn't wait to tell me. And that he gave percentage-wise of what he had been blessed with. Now, it's one thing to say, hey, he's a first grader. I mean, the kid doesn't 
quote, work for an income, right? It's just handed to him, and all he's doing is, is giving back. I mean, he doesn't have a clue as to what goes on in the, in the budget world and all of the pressures that his parents have and how tight money can be and so forth. And that's true. But when Jesus called a little child in the midst of him and said, this one is greatest in the kingdom of God, I think it's because he wants us to realize that a child believes and obeys because of God's generosity and love. Just as his parents take care of him, so he is able to respond. And that's why I think God tells us to have faith like a little child. For is it not true that God is the one who gives us everything we have? And ultimately, we can let him worry about all of the headaches and the tensions and the tight budgets and so forth as we cheerfully give back to him. But rich generosity does not just move us and empower us to give. It also empowers us to have all sufficiency. That was the word that was used in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The word used there for sufficiency can literally be translated self-rule. To be in control, to have the ability to take care of oneself so that you are not lacking or dependent on others. Now that's something that really resonates with the culture we live in, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that what we're told? And, and isn't that what's lifted up? That, that you are a self-sufficient person. You are self-made. That, that you get what you work for. And that if you have problems or whatever or, or challenges, you reach down inside. And, and that's where you look to for strength to be sufficient. The problem is that the one who is involved in that self-rule happens to be the sinful self that you and I have by nature of our humanity. But for the Christian, it is not the sinful self that now is ruling over our lives. No, we have surrendered that to the Lord Jesus. So that as we hear about God's generosity to us, the Holy Spirit empowers us so that we turn everything over to Him. That yes, we are self-sufficient in Jesus. That we are not dependent on all of the things and the events and the circumstances and happenings around us in order to fulfill us, to find contentment and peace. We have all sufficiency for all things at all times because of our faith in the Lord Jesus. When we find that that's not the case, perhaps we need to ask the question, who or what is ultimately in control of your life? 
Jesus might ask it this way, where is your heart? Where is it that your heart is? Those things that you are passionate about, interested, excited about, and so forth. Jesus would say, where those things are, that's most likely where you are going to be putting your treasure. The sinful nature has its own ideas. But as the Holy Spirit empowers the new person to see what God wants, then our desires, where our heart is able to line up with the heart of God. We also learn in these passages that rich generosity empowers us to abound in every good work. We just heard that from verse 8. That we abound in every good work, which leads to what is called an increase in the harvest of righteousness. That's maybe the best way to describe what Zacchaeus experienced. You know, the story of the wee little man who climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord passed by that way, he looked into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come on down, for I'm coming to your house today. He was rich, we're told. And apparently some of that by false dealings and fraud. He had not put the Lord first in his life, but by the power of Jesus' calling, By Jesus calling him by name, the Holy Spirit at work in his heart, he scrambled out of that tree and his heart was changed. He welcomed joyfully Jesus into his home and regardless of what everybody else was grumbling and whispering about and all of that, he didn't care. He said, Lord, today, not only do I pay back those whom I have defrauded, but I also take half of what I own and give it to the poor. That can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is an example of somebody who's been empowered in order to respond to God's rich generosity by meeting the needs of others. And that's precisely what Paul was doing as he went on his tour of the early churches and collected the offering that they were giving. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 that we've been working through over these last few weeks is all about that gathering of the offering. And you know what that offering was for? It was to serve the needs of the saints in Jerusalem because of the difficult times that they were having. Think about how many times God has has moved you to respond in love to the needs of others. Whether that's because of a forest fire or an earthquake or a hurricane or flooding. Think of all of the hours that are spent to provide blankets or, or food to those who may be less fortunate and in a crisis situation. That is what is called an increase in the harvest of righteousness. What we're empowered to do by the Holy Spirit 
because of our faith in Jesus. And for all this, we can be thankful. For ultimately, we are empowered by God's rich generosity to be a source of thankfulness. I trust that all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, at least as good as could be expected, perhaps with family and friends and and a celebration and plenty of food, perhaps able to reflect upon the blessings that God has given you and how good he has been. But at the same time, think of how many people you could be thankful to God for because of what they've done in your life. And imagine now that by the Holy Spirit, you are one of the people that somebody else is giving thanks for because of what God has moved you to do. Whether it's giving of your money, whether it's giving of your skills or abilities, whether it's giving of your time, that somebody else is offering thankfulness to God and saying, Lord, thank you so much. For this person, whose name I might not even know, but because your love has come through that person. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. To not only receive God's rich generosity, but to live a life of rich generosity in return. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.